Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Week 11 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Blue Chew. They're back, guys. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, our favorite bathtub in the sunset in your own bath. I never understood that. As yeah, So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from a little extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. My guest today, Brad Motter from the Locked on Rams podcast, or as he was known in the past, Brad Mater the Trader because he is a Chicago-born Rams fan. I mean, how dare you? How dare you? Anyway, we get into it with him. Preview this game between these, what were supposed to be two serious contenders in the NFC, have now been reduced to two uh, middling teams fighting. They're in the hunt in that uh, one graphic where you have your division leaders, wild card, and then in the hunt for those teams just outside the playoffs on the outside looking in. That's where the Bears and Rams are hanging out these days instead of being the division leaders uh, that they were uh, a year ago. So myself and Brad get into it. We cover a lot, and uh, we got a lot of stuff else otherwise to cover. We got news and notes uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's the Week 11 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. The Bears had their enormous weight of the losing streak lifted last week. Now it's a matter of building on that success and seeing if it can carry them through the second half of the season. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the Week 11 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. As I said, uh, Brad Motter from Locked on Rams uh, will be joining us here in a few moments to preview the game between the Bears and the Rams. And I talked to Brad last night on Wednesday, and we talked a lot about, like, I mean, it's funny that, you know, you you talk about a Rams offense 
that was one of the more prolific top scoring offenses a year ago uh and and now they're struggling and brad and i uh talk about the similarities in the way that our offenses are struggling uh right now the the rams are doing a bit more successfully as far as uh scoring points uh, for the most part anyway and they've and uh but I mean, they're having trouble maintaining the run or doing the run, and even after having success with the run, they stick with the pass, and it all sounds strikingly familiar. So the Bears and the Rams are just going to keep doing this thing where they're kind of copying each other, uh, or the Bears are copying the Rams. Only we're supposed to be copying last year's Rams and uh, being successful and and working our way to the Super Bowl, not. Uh, not middling and and struggling to maintain relevancy in our own conference you know uh it's it's not been a good look uh for us but uh brad will be on here in just a few moments to uh to hash it out with us and we'll preview the game and everything in between but first uh we're going to go over our uh news and notes a few headlines to uh talk about a report uh that i read on uh twitter several reports actually uh, saying that uh, Cam Newton, uh, the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, would be would welcome a trade to Chicago, quote unquote, if they're interested. Um, I'm not. I'm not interested uh, in Cam Newton. Uh, it's it's got everything to do with the fact that um, he has had. Uh, he's an enormously talented guy, and if we're talking about Cam Newton 2015, sign me up right now. Sign me up, you know, because that guy, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's a big, tall, uh, athletic quarterback. But since they made that trip to the Super Bowl, he hasn't played a full season yet. And I think he's only played, what, two games this year? And, uh, you know, maybe he'd still be playing now if the if the Panthers had struggled while he was gone. But under uh, Kyle Allen, I believe, is the name of the quarterback, uh, that that replaced them. They're they're a playoff team right now, or they're right on the cusp uh, of being a playoff team uh, right now. So um, you know Newton's kind of being forced out of uh, Carolina. But there's there, you know those are two big problems uh, with Cam Newton right now. Number one, we'd have to trade for him. We don't really have the assets for what Carolina would probably require. And number two, he'd probably command a salary that he's not worthy of. Uh, at the moment, and the Bears are having sa- are going to have salary cap issues uh, for the next couple of years while they get uh, while they figure out who's staying and who's going. As uh, you know, for the guys that we have uh, now, so um, those are two big problems uh, with Newton. And then number three, as I mentioned a moment ago, he hasn't played a full season since their Super Bowl year in 2015. He's missed multiple games with like foot injuries, and I think we had a shoulder injury in there. Uh, as well and god bless him he played through the pain especially last year you could tell he was not 100 percent, but he was playing anyway uh and I, I just and i know he's uh you know getting healthy and could be 100 percent. but can we rely on him to stay healthy i mean we'd be investing a lot we'd be we'd have to trade for him so we're giving up something in in maybe draft picks or even players uh to make carolina whole for giving cam newton up and we'd have to pay him and I don't think Cam Newton is worthy of the money that he'd probably ask for uh, at this stage. So in 2020 would also be, what, his 10th year in the league? So he's got to be closing in on 30 if he isn't 30 already. I'm pretty sure he's over 30. 
So maybe he's 31, 32, which is still – it's not old as far as quarterbacks are concerned, God forbid. But, uh, you know, for the kind of football that Cam Newton plays, he's getting old. And I don't think it's worth the uh, – I don't think it's worth what we'd have to give up to, give, to get him in salary. And paying him what he requires means we can't pay somebody else. We can't pay Eddie Jackson. We can't pay uh, Tariq Cohen, even though – Neither of those guys is playing like somebody who wants to get paid. But, um, you know, nonetheless, those guys are the future of our franchise, and I'd rather pay them than than Cam Newton. You know, I'd I'd rather go another route. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Speaking of other routes, uh, the NFL is staging a, a workout for Colin Kaepernick, kind of a pro day, if you will, on Saturday. And there's a lot of uh, back and forth on Twitter about whether or not the Bears should send a representative. And as of right now, they're not. The NFL released a list of 11 teams in the league that will be going to the uh, workout. Uh, The Bears were not on the list. And when I look at the list, I'm looking at a list of teams that are more than likely going to see if Kaepernick could be a backup. Teams like uh, Arizona, who just drafted Kyler Murray. Atlanta, that's got um, Matt Ryan. Um, A case could be made for, I think, Miami was on the list. So, I mean, they're going to have one of the top picks in the draft next year. So they'll be able to get their hands on a quarterback, maybe bring Colin Kaepernick to either, you know, maybe start in front of him or be the backup to whoever the number one pick is going to be for them. Uh, Other teams, like you can make a case Tampa Bay could be checking him out to maybe start for them or at least be competition uh, next year. Uh, Washington is one of those teams that just drafted uh, Dwayne Haskins. So most of the teams on that list, almost all of them, would be in the market for a backup quarterback. Like the Patriots are on the list, the Jets and the Giants, who both drafted quarterbacks in the high first round the last couple of years. So... I don't. Nobody on that list is really jumping out at me as like, oh, they're there to see if Kaepernick can be their guy. I think they're all there to see if Kaepernick a can still play and b, uh, you know, he would more than likely be a backup at, at you know, at, at the best. I think so. I'm not interested in Kaepernick. It's got nothing to do with his political affiliations or any of that nonsense. I'm more in the mode of this was a guy that. Um, was struggling for relevancy on his own football team uh, before that whole political thing started. I mean, he was in danger of not making a roster that had Blaine Gabbert and Christian Ponder as the other quarterback options on it. 
So but he, he ends up making the team. That was 2015, and he plays through uh, 2016 where he was 1-10 as a starter. And I think the cherry on top of t- for 2016 uh, for him was the game in Chicago. And uh, it was an uh, ugly, snowy day. Um, he was up against Matt Barkley, who was our starting quarterback, thanks to the injuries to Brian Hoyer and Jay Cutler uh, that year. It was that day that Jordan Howard went nuts and ran for three touchdowns, and we kind of killed the 49ers. We only won three games that year, but that was one of them. And Kaepernick got benched somewhere in the second half after going like one for five for like seven yards uh, in the game. And, like, the Bears' defense was just kind of really stepping up. You know, we have Akeem Hicks. We had uh, Danny Trevathan. We had some of the pieces that we have now that are, you know, helping us be the defense that we've been the last couple of years. And, um, you know, once they once they shut down his ability to run and try to turn him into an actual pocket passer, number one, the elements were not allowing it, even though Matt Barkley didn't have a problem throwing the ball that day. Um, but, you know, when you turn Kaepernick into a pocket quarterback, he falls apart. So unless that's what he's been working on and that's what he's somehow managed to perfect in the three years he hasn't been playing football, I don't really see him uh, being successful when he comes back to the NFL. God bless him. I hope he proves me wrong, but I don't think that I am wrong, and I'm not interested in him uh, being the Bears. And I keep hearing, you know, the the talking heads and the radio hosts and all that kind of stuff talking about how the Bears should give him a look. The Bears should sign him. I'm like, no, they shouldn't. They really shouldn't. Uh, you know, let him prove me wrong somewhere else. I don't want to be proven right in Chicago. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be proven right thinking that he wasn't worth the time or the the trouble and him being a bad quarterback for my team I'd rather him prove me wrong playing for someone else I I made that sound stupid that's just how I feel you know I don't really think it's uh you know I don't really think it's worth the trouble not for the Bears anyway they're going to go a different route and uh, maybe they are going to go veteran but uh, preferably a veteran that's been playing football the last few years instead of watching it so you can we can get into all of the mess and in you know back and forth about why he hasn't been playing for the last three years i honestly believe it's it's not all because of his political affiliations there are teams out there who just don't think he's a good quarterback i think the bears are one of them so that's just my two cents on the whole thing last couple of things um looking at the injury report these things kind of go in together uh two names on the injury report this week trey burton with the calf injury of some kind, maybe you think he strained a calf in the in the uh, Lions game on Sunday, and Adam Shaheen, uh, he's got a foot injury all of a sudden. He wasn't on the injury report yesterday, but he did not practice today, so maybe he uh, maybe he hurt his foot falling off the bench or something in practice. I don't know. He's not playing, and I saw an article today that said it's time to bench or not bench, but uh, put Trey Burton on IR because he's basically been limited this year, you know, nursing that sports hernia, that groin injury uh, or whatever. He's been a ghost for the bears this year. Um, And Adam Shaheen is about as ineffective a player as we've got on the roster right now. So I would be fully in, in, in support of a cutting Shaheen or getting rid of him or using this foot injury to put him on the IR and do the same thing with Trey Burton and then bring up the uh, the young tight ends that we have on the practice squad. Uh, Jesper Horstead and, and Dax Raymond 
uh, Horstead, who was, uh, you know, had a hell of a game in the preseason against the uh, Bills. Was it the Bills? Who did we play last? Was it? I think it was Buffalo. Whoever we played in the last game, the Titans. It was the Titans. That's who it was. We played the Titans because it was the Bills was the last game last year. Uh, the Titans in that preseason game, he caught a touchdown pass, made other uh, catch or two uh, in there. Dax Raymond was highly touted uh, coming out of uh, college, was an undrafted free agent for the Bears. You know, let's put them in there. I mean, if, I mean, if we put them on the roster on the 53 and, and send Burton and Shaheen uh, to the, uh, you know, to IR, honestly, what's going to change? We're not we're not using Burton like we used them last year. Shaheen is a waste of space right now. So what changes? I mean, I think the only thing that would honestly change is that maybe Bradley Soul would stop getting cut every single week. So, I mean, he hasn't been active since, what, week four or something like that? And ever since then, he's been getting cut on Saturday and signed again on Monday. That's been his M.O. for the last six, seven weeks. He gets cut on Saturday, so he's not on the roster when the Bears play. We elevate somebody from the practice squad. Then we cut that person or put them on waivers, sign Bradley Soul back to the team so he can be a practice tackling dummy or whatever for the week, and then cut him again on Saturday, re-sign him again on Monday. So I guess this is how you do practice squad for someone who's not eligible for it. You know, Bradley Soul has been in the league for several years, and I guess this is how you, you do the practice squad for someone who's, who's, who can't be put on the practice squad. I think the Bears are kind of doing an end run around the practice squad rules for Bradley Soul. Putting him on the active roster for five days, cutting him on Saturday, not he's so he's not on the game day roster. We elevate someone from the practice squad, cut that person after the game on Sunday, rehire Bradley Soul to the fifty three on Monday. That's been the pattern for the last several weeks. So and and but his trade partner this time has been uh James Vauders, who again was elevated to the active roster on Sunday in, in lieu of the injured Isaiah Irving, who's still nursing that quad injury. He's still on the, uh, in, on the injured list. And then James Vauders got cut on Monday. Bradley Soul was re-signed uh, to the main roster, and then James Vauder was re-signed to the practice squad when he cleared waivers. So we're back to that little thing again. But, you know, Broniker played well on Sunday. You know, he only caught one pass, but... It was a hell of a catch, and it was a touchdown. The first touchdown all year by a tight end. Uh, J.P. Holtz has been doing a hell of a job coming out of the backfield as a fullback, and uh, I think maybe he's even caught up. Didn't he catch a pass against Philly? Pretty sure he did. Um, but And then Bradley Soule being the other option there. But you bring in Jesper Horstead, Dax Raymond, you know, give them a shot. I mean, honestly, what would change if Burton and Shaheen went to IR? Nothing. You know, I think I mean, I really don't even think it would change the way teams play against us because Shaheen and Burton have been so goddamn useless this year and ineffective. So it's like what defense would be afraid of any tight end we put on the field? So take a shot. Just do it. Burton and Shaheen are injured and useless. So go ahead and throw them on the IR for the rest of the year for Burton. We'll see if, you know, the extra time will get him ready for 2020 Shaheen. This will just be the precursor to him getting his unemployment check at the end of the season. And then we give a, give a shot to Horstead and, and Raymond and see if maybe they can help spark the offense a little bit. You know, why not? Let's give that a shot. Um, this is just my two cents on the tight end situation. 
Uh, the other names on the injury report, uh, Danny Trevathan. Don't know why we haven't put him on IR. Your elbow's not supposed to bend that way. I'm pretty sure his year is done, but the Bears are being – I don't know why they're kind of being shaky about whether or not they're going to put him on IR yet. And then the name that kind of jumped out, David Montgomery with an ankle injury of some kind, limited on Wednesday, did not practice today on Thursday. It's just an ankle injury, knock on wood. Hopefully it's not something serious like a high ankle sprain or anything like that, and we'll get him back on Sunday. But that's like the most intriguing development in the injury report is that David Montgomery, a guy that we actually love and count on, is uh, has popped up on the uh, injury report. And, I mean, obviously Danny Trevathan falls in that category, but, yeah, his he's not bouncing back that quick from uh, from that gruesome elbow injury on Sunday and then you'll hear me and and, um, Brad talk about this a bit but uh, on the Rams side Rob Havenstein uh, their offensive tackle is hasn't practiced yet this week with a knee injury he had already been ruled out like on Monday same thing with Brandon Cooks with a concussion uh, on Monday but he was limited in practice on Wednesday so maybe that's changing I don't know Uh, Tyler Higby and Darius Williams, a tight end and a defensive back, also have not practiced yet with knee injuries. And Gerald Everett, one of their other tight ends, has been limited with a wrist injury. So, uh, you know, last year going into week 14, these two teams combined for one person on the injury report. I think the, that we had or they had zero and we had one person. Um, and it was like somebody who was limited and ended up playing in the game anyway. We we're two of the healthiest teams in the league which explained why we were like nine and four and they were ten and two or something like that at the time uh when we played each other but um anyway but i mean we only have five which is actually pretty good especially for this time of year uh in the league so granted they're all people that we were supposed to be counting on like trey burton and danny trevathan and stuff but uh you know (sighs) injury reports are ugly the nfl is hard anyway That's pretty much all I got for uh, news and notes. Let's go ahead and get into our conversation with our good friend Brad Motter from Locked On Rams, helping us preview week 11 between the Bears and the Rams. But first, (coughs) support for the Bears Talk Underground and the Armchair Media Network comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's a bold new world out there, boys. It isn't just the ladies that are expected to keep a clean shop in the nether regions these days. But you don't want to use the same trimmer for your face that you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Always use the right tools for the job. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0, I love that name, has proprietary skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. And because of it, Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why aren't you putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code armchair so go to manscape.com the number one in men's below the belt grooming your balls will thank you 
Or as our friend Dr. Eva would say, There really is nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's breathtaking. I suggest you try it. And now let's get back to the show. Week number 11 has our beloved heading home, heading home, heading out west, actually, to the to the Coliseum to see the L.A. Rams for a quasi rematch of, of last year's big Sunday night game week 14 that took place in Soldier Field. Will the Rams get a second bite at the apple? Only this time it's in L.A. also on Sunday night football. And here to help me preview this game between two mediocre Squads, uh, Brad Motter from Locked On Rams. Brad, what the hell happened to our teams, man? Oh, my goodness. And you may be coming home because it is the Coliseum, and uh, the Bears travel pretty well. Yeah, so they we've do. we've seen many of teams come in there and make it feel like a home game. So it may be that uh, just the same. But you're right, man. It's crazy. We talked in the offseason, and we talked about this Sunday night being one of the best Sunday night games that possibly could be this season. And yeah. this matchup of NFC showdown maybe for home playoff position yep. uh and now we're just you know would love to have any position in a playoff uh talk and and that's really where this game s- uh, stands right now uh, we said it a couple times on lockdown rams it really isn't a play-in game right now it's a play out game the loser of this game oh, like most that. likely yeah. writes the script and uh plays themselves out of the playoffs but uh so there's something to play for still it's on sunday night in front of everybody so hopefully one of these teams or both these teams show up yeah, the, the playoff hopes for either of our squads is is slim at best uh, right now. I mean, both of us are, are looking up at – we're both in third place. We're both looking up at teams, uh, you know, San Francisco's 8-1, and one, Seattle's 8-2. and two, So there's like two and a half, three games separated between you and, and, and a playoff berth in, in that division. And then the same thing with the Bears, 4-5, and five, where we're a few games behind the 7-3 and three, Rams, the eight and two, uh, or excuse me, the eight and seven and three Vikings, the eight and two uh, Packers uh, right now. So I mean, it's like we need to like win out and get a ton of help uh, to make it. And as far as playoffs are concerned, both the uh, the Bears and the Rams are in that glorious third column on the graphic that they show on ESPN. You have your uh. division leaders, you have your wild cards, and then the notorious in the hunt. We are in the hunt teams right now whereas like last year we were battling for first or second place in the in the for home field last year now we're just battling to get into the wild card yeah that in the hunt category is rough because you're in the hunt and you're like all right we're still in the picture and then you look at the bottom of the list and they've got teams that you know you're thinking how is that team in the hunt and you're like oh crap we're in that category right now (laughs) we're in the category with everybody else uh that isn't looking for a draft pick and unfortunately for us it doesn't even matter. We can't even play ourselves into position for a better draft pick no because the Rams and the Bears have given it away. So it's only just, in, in our case, is trying to be stubborn to whoever we gave our draft pick to to try to maybe not give them a better position. But that's the frustrating thing, too, is when you start to look towards next year, you're like, well, it doesn't even help us with our pick. Yeah, I mean, well, tell me, um, a lot of, uh, I guess, maybe, I don't know, controversy, but definitely a lot of talk around the Jalen Ramsey trade about the price that you guys paid for him and and what comes along with that is the whole thing about the stat that I heard was that thanks to the Jalen Ramsey trade unless you guys manage to either trade your way back in or offer a trade where somebody gives you 
a first round pick. It'll be 2022 before you pick in the first round again. And your last first round pick was in 2016 when you took golf. Yeah, we don't do first round picks here in Los Angeles unless we pay for them. And that was Jared Goff. And we gave up two draft picks. Uh, well, two first round draft picks that year to go get them and, and a handful of second and thirds and whatever else we gave up to go get them. But you're right. Uh, Les Snead has kind of basically said, I don't care about first round draft picks and that uh, the plan is to stack this roster with talent and that if we do have a draft pick and we're seeing this year kind of play against the strategy. But if we do have a draft pick, it's going to be a late one. You want It's going to be 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. It's going to be in that end of the the first round and, and that you know, in all hopes that you can still get that talent in the second round. So he's banking on second, third, fourth round. And that's where we found a lot of talent. And he's basically said, uh, you know, we found Aaron Donald in the first round, Todd Gurley in the first round. So we've gotten guys there as well. But we've swung and missed. And, and we've seen a lot of organizations swing and miss. And he'd rather uh, play the numbers and have as many draft picks as possible in the top 100 and not so worry so much about the top 32. We're going to see how it plays out because we have got some extreme depth problems at the O-line and we're going through injuries like crazy. Yeah. And a first-round pick would be so beautiful to stack some big old country boy and just throw him in there. Uh, <laughs> but that's not going to be the chance. We're going to have to find that guy in the second or third round coming up. Yeah, with uh, Havenstein is, is, is already been announced out of the game along with Brandon Cooks and then your center. Also done for the year with an MCL uh, injury. Is there anybody else that's either a banged up or a backup that's on that offensive line right now? <laughs> I mean, basically, it's uh, if you're looking from left to right, you've got Andrew Whitworth is the only original starter from week one. And this mm. is a team, if you remember, the last two years had, what, 30-something games in a row of having the same five offensive linemen, and they were doing really, really well together. They had right. this great... Uh, you know, how they were working together. But now here we are. We've got uh, Whitworth on the left side. And then we had originally, uh, we had Edwards in, David Edwards, who's a rookie. We had him in at left guard. Last game, we decided to throw him over to right guard until you mentioned our center went out. So we moved Austin Blythe into the center position. And then we ended up moving uh, Edwards out to tackle. We're going to have a guy that we just got in Austin Corbett, who we picked up three weeks ago from the Browns. Um, he's going to be in at left guard. Uh, it's just a mess, really. It's it's hard. I mean, I cover this team, and I do you know lockdown ramps five days a week, and I'm sitting here going, wait, who's playing where right now? And where did this guy come from? And how long has he played that position? Yeah. But, I mean, that's the one thing that the Rams, uh, Aaron Cromer is our offense line coach, and he talked about Ooh. back in the preseason and even early on about cross-training these guys and that they he wants every single lineman in his group to play at least four positions and five if, he, if you're really good being the center position. So they've trained for this, and hopefully his – idea of this is this is why we did this uh in the off season and during the preseason so hopefully these guys can come in but it's a lot of young guys playing positions that they didn't play the week before and uh it's just a mess the offensive line right now is a mess but hopefully a week of practice together will give them a better result than what we saw in pittsburgh uh last sunday yeah um aaron cromer those are two dirty words in chicago um he was our assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator under the very short Mark Tressman era. And Aaron, oh, wow. Aaron Cromer was the anonymous source or whatever that threw Jay Cutler under the bus in 2014. <laughs> you know, about how well, like, no one in the... That's classic. Yeah. That's classic O-line stuff right there. Because yeah, he's no meant one's... to be an O-line oh, type sure. of guy. Yeah. 
And uh, for him to throw a Jay Cutler under the bus doesn't surprise me. And, yeah. and that's funny. I, I kind of forgot about that. And I even forgot about the Tressman era when he came down. Was he like a Canadian football coach or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah a was... Canadian genius. Oh, my God. Dude. <laughs> I remember those days. And it's just, I mean, and it hurts so bad because, I mean, it's like today we as Bear fans are suffering through the um, we could have had Mahomes or Watson talk Ugh. because of the year that Trubisky is having right now. And that, I don't think, stings anywhere near as bad as we pick Tressman over Bruce Arians. Right. Those right. are the two candidates for that job. Bruce Arians coming off a Coach of the Year performance, subbing in for the cancer-riddled Chuck Pagano, took the Colts to the playoffs, the whole you know rookie quarterback in Andrew Luck. You wouldn't have thought a thing about it. They won 11 games, won the division, went to the playoffs. And instead of hiring that guy... We hired the guy that's won a couple of Grey Cups in Canada running a completely <laughs> different kind of offense and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was just an absolute disaster of a decision. And we only had to pay for it for two years. And then we got John Fox, who came in here and rattled our cages for a few years before we finally moved on to Nagy last season. But Cromer, <laughs> Cromer was the moment, that whole, when that whole thing happened, that was the moment I knew Tressman was done. Because anyone who has a sack between his legs, if you come out and you're you're the guy that's talking, you know, talking, you know what about your own team in the press like that, and it comes out that it was you, you're fired. That's yeah. it. Because how who in the locker room is going to trust you after that? Tressman stood by him, and I was like, that's it. Tressman's done. This is it. This happened with like five six weeks left. I knew then it's over with. Tressman is done. If in and the, the rumors about him losing the locker room were running rampant at that point is like if he if it hadn't happened by then it has happened now there's no way that a coach can go ahead and talk talk you know BS to the press about your quarterback even though he's not the most beloved guy in the locker room he's still your guy and you went ahead right. and trashed him like that and then it comes out you admit it you apologize blah 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 and you keep your job no absolutely not so if Tressman was trying to get his locker room back firing Cromer was the thing to do the fact that he didn't spelled the end and I was I was dead on right I mean I don't even think the Bears had gotten off the field after that last game against Detroit and Tressman was out of a job so they couldn't wait to fire him so but anyway yeah Aaron Cromer the guy's a hell of an <laughs> offensive line coach but, uh, yeah, well, he needs to get to work out here because he's yeah. got his hands full. And, uh, you know, they, they he was basically spoiled the last couple of years, and that was part of the reasons we were, you know, kind of crowning him this, you know, offensive line guru right. with, along with McVay. Anyone that McVay had, you know, worked with was kind of sure. getting that credit. And now he's going through a firestorm right now, and he's, you know, throwing in guys left and right. And, and it's funny, I was doing a report of guys that we – we're activating from our practice squad and we, you know, we're getting onto the practice squad. I'm like, I, I cover the team. I don't even know these guys. You know I mean? Like that's how deep we are into the offensive, you know, just kind of, it's going it, to, we're soon close to the, if you're sitting in section 152, you know, seat five, you're the new left tackle. That's, I mean, we're almost <laughs> getting to that type of, you know, O-line right now, but um, you know, it's a matchup hopefully coming up with the bears. I mean, their defense, obviously you guys, uh, haven't played as well as last year, but still it's a tough matchup for this group, especially a group that hasn't played together at all. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the the thing is that I kind of feel like I, I'm, I'm not loving our chances 
in the game, but it's definitely a winnable game for the Bears. I mean, based on how we've played, we're going to have to be perfect in order to win the game uh, on Sunday. And and I think that the the narrative of what you and I talked about last year going into week 14 and that Sunday night game in Chicago was that with two teams playing this level of football, which was pretty high at the time when we had that conversation last year, it's going to come down to whoever makes the fewest mistakes and right. even though the Bears made plenty, Goff made more. And that's what yeah. ended up being the difference in the game. Four interceptions, getting sacked for safety. That's that was the difference, you know, right there. And even though Mitch threw his three picks and only threw four hundred and twelve yards or whatever it was, it was enough to win the game uh for us because we forced more mistakes out of uh Goff than the Rams had forced out of uh uh Trubisky. And even though we're not on and near the same level as we were a year ago, I kind of feel like that's the narrative that's going to carry this game as well. And whether it's turnovers or, or penalties or you know something like that, I really feel like whoever walks away making the fewest mistakes in this game will be the winner on Sunday. Yeah, you look at the two defenses and you think, you know, the Rams defense has probably been the best defense since, since they've been out here in Los Angeles and they're just playing so well together. Uh, but the offense has not been able to put up points against good teams. You know, we had the two games right before the bye uh, against the Falcons and the Bengals, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, our offense is looking good again. This is might be something. Then you realize, okay, well, those two teams had one win combined at that point, and then we play the Steelers, who, you know, were pretty hot, and they shut us down. Three points from the offense, and we're lucky we got that. Um, our defense, I think when this matchup is going to be what defense and you talk about making that play, whether it's on defense or whatever it may be. Uh, but then it comes down to those offenses. Like you said, who's going to limit the mistakes and be able to get that one big play, right? Whether it's a touchdown or getting in position for a field goal. Um, you know, this could be a very ugly, low scoring game. I expect the defenses. You never know with football, watch this thing be a 40, 40 shootout, but, uh, our offenses don't look like they've kind of got that in them right now. So it really does come down to limiting the mistakes and looking at these two quarterbacks, Jared Goff and Mitch Trubisky. I mean, both those quarterbacks almost that's their MO of this season has kind of been making mistakes. So, uh, maybe it's not, you know, who doesn't make a mistake, but it's, you know, who makes three instead of four, you know, Mm -hmm. but that. That might be the game we have on Sunday. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how it feels uh, right now. I mean, it, it feels funny that, you know, the Bears weren't exactly breaking the scoreboard scoring points last year, but we were a steady offense at the very least. You know, we could score points, and, of course, our defense. The one thing that the defense hasn't been able to duplicate this year is the turnovers. I think we're about 10, 10 11 turnovers from where we were a year ago. I think we're in the 20s at this time. I think we've got maybe 11 or 12 so far uh, uh, this year. But other other than that, it was just like, you know, we were we managed to be able to score points. We managed to keep our defense off the field. Even if we ended up punting, it was a six or seven play drive instead of three plays, 30 seconds because we passed on all three of those downs or or, or whatever. And our, you know, the defense is. Uh, Gatorade hasn't even gotten a chance to get warm yet, and they're already back out on the field and everything. You know, <laughs> it's like they're trying to talk about adjustments for the next drive, but like, wait, the drive's already starting, already getting out, get out there. We we don't have time to talk about what just happened. You got to go play some more uh, and things like that. It, it it's it's made a big difference. You know, like I saw a, a, a graphic today that kind of made me sad, or f- at least at the very least frustrated, and it was the top five scoring defenses in the NFL. The Bears were number four, and they were the only losing team 
on that list. Right. Everybody else was was a division leader. You got the 49ers, you got the Patriots, you got the Cowboys in there, and I think the Bills, like the only team not leading the division other than the Bears in there. But the Bills are 6 and 2, 6 and 3, whatever. Right now if the play, if season ended today, the Bills are in the freaking playoffs right now. Yeah. You know, they're a wild card team. And if the season ended today, the Bears have the 14th pick in the first round that they were that we yeah. have already handed over to the Raiders. That's all we have to show for what we've done so far this year even though we're on a better pace than we were a year like last year was 17.7 points a game now we're at 17.4 and we're losing four and five right now we've lost more than we won and i just can't wrap my head around that uh you know as to like how how is the defense steady and the, the offense is like i just i just don't understand what happened well, it's, it's got me scratching my head over here because, again, it's funny. We talked about the similarities in these two teams yeah. and, you know, in the offseason talking about how this was going to be the big breakout year for the Bears and, you know, potentially taking that big uh, playoff run like the Rams did last year. Yeah. But the one thing that shocks me is when we're looking at both their offenses, again, and the similarity of it is both the passing games are really struggling, whether it's O-line, quarterback play, whatever it is, they just can't seem to get the ball moving down the field through the air. Jared Goff at one point actually led the league in passing yards, but that's because in a couple of those games we were playing from so far behind that, you know, he got us back in the game, but it was just kind of, you know, zone coverage he was throwing through. Um, but I'm just so shocked that neither of these teams, and you talk about the defense or the offense giving some rest for the defense, are using the ground game. You know I mean? Yeah. You guys got Tariq Cohen. You went and drafted uh, Montgomery. You traded away Jordan Howard. You thought you had this whole game plan of what you want to do with the running backs. We've got Todd Gurley. We draft, We traded up and drafted a guy right in front of you, guy right in front of you guys, and, and Daryl Henderson. Uh, yeah. We also signed the offer sheet for Malcolm Brown. We've got three guys that can tote the rock, but yet we're averaging maybe 18, 19, 20 carries a game. If that, Todd Gurley didn't get one carry after averaging 6.1 yards per carry and throughout the whole game. So I'm just confused on why either of these offenses just don't even want to give the running game an attempt to try to help out their quarterback. You always hear the best thing for a struggling quarterback is a run game, and neither yeah. of these teams want to really commit to that, which is shocking. It is, and and what's even more frustrating is that um, running the football in Nagy's offense hasn't been working this year, but what has been working as far as the running game is going old-school power football. You get a couple right. of tight ends out there, put a fullback in the backfield, get the, you know, get the defense man-on-a-man man under this zone-blocking crap. You got the guy in front of you, you get him. I'll get that guy and, you know, the fullback will get the linebacker, and the next thing you know, David Montgomery broke one for 55 against the the San Diego, the San Diego, the L.A. Chargers. And yeah, I, I keep saying, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just like that happens, and that will happen once, and then we won't see it again. We'll see the whole, you know, four wide receivers, no tight ends, one single back in the backfield, and running to a brick wall of humanity for, you know, a loss or for one yard or maybe zero or something like that, or he'll try to get cute and run a jet sweep to Taylor Gabriel or Anthony Miller and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And those plays never work, you know, but you line right. it up old school, you get a fullback back there, you get him a lead blocker, and the next thing you know, David Montgomery's in the second level and he's making things happen. So it's just like it's been frustrating watching what I would call the stubbornness of our head coaches because they can't run the offense that they want to run because that's not what's working. 
Like it's like right. they're trying to wedge it or wish it or hope it or, or just work it into working as opposed to be like, you know what? I guess we're just going to run power this this year because we can't run it single back. We can't disguise it with four wide receivers and run for five yards or anything like that. We got to let them know what's coming and do it anyway. And that's the frustrating thing with Nagy. When we were talking before we started recording, I talked about how the Bears nearly blew that Lions game because of that. We run the ball for nine yards on second and ten, and on third and one we try to get cute and throw the ball as opposed to giving the ball back to Montgomery and letting him get the yard and get the first down. Four plays later, the Lions score a touchdown. Now it's a one-score ball game, and it's in doubt until the very last play. It's just like I always get the feeling, and maybe you can feel this way as well, that instead of doing what we do best and just trying to beat the defense, Nagy is always trying to catch the defense off guard or catch them with their pants down or like, oh, guess you didn't see this coming. We got two tight ends out there and we threw the ball <laughs> or something yeah, like that. You yeah. know, like he's trying to outsmart the defense as opposed to just lining his offense up, doing what we do and trying to beat the defense. Right. And I think we definitely see some of that with Sean McVay, where he has this game plan coming in and something happens when maybe the first little sign of the game plan is going a different way. Or he just gets caught up in going, you know what, I think I see something like you mentioned and you think that I can trick them or I can, you know, have my uh, boy genius kind of come in here and, and put together this play and do it this way. Instead, when you're staring right at the answer as far as, hey, running the ball is working well, you have no O-line protection, so let's work in the ground game, let's work in the play action, let's move Jared Goff. Instead of doing kind of the obvious things that – you know, adapting in the game, you're kind of being stubborn, like you said, and start throwing the ball left and right. And you're just going to throw yourself out of this problem. Yeah. And defenses have definitely adjusted to the Rams. And I think that's another thing is last year, you know, McVay would oh, well, it work last year. Well, it worked last year. Well, this is not last year. And you're you're even your whole uh, offense is built different. So you got to look at a different way to call the game. So uh, that's one of the things that we're looking for in this game. We're just begging to see 35 carries, 30 carries, something in that range. Todd Gurley involved in the game. Throw to him once in a while. Um, it's, it is frustrating when you, when you look at talent around, especially for both of these teams. And yours, you know, probably to a, a little bit bigger degree is your defense. You talked about that graphic is up there doing all the work and saying, just yeah. help us out a little bit. We're not asking for a crazy amount here, but just kind of keep us off the field and, and score some points occasionally. And, and, you know, we're going to have some winning football. Yeah. I mean, in, in looking at the way that our season is unraveled, um, basically the way that we've played, our record is accurate. Like we should have beaten the chargers, but we also should have lost to Denver. You know, the, the, the week two, we got that bogus pass, uh, roughing the passer call, uh, from the Broncos, which was kind of a get-back call because the refs screwed us on two calls like that earlier in the game. Like Leonard Floyd and Eddie Goldman apparently roughed the passer when it never happened. So they, they called they called Bradley Chubb for one and extended our game-winning field goal drive that won us the football game. We shouldn't have won in Denver. We didn't play well enough to win that game. But we ended up winning, and we should have beaten the Chargers uh, a couple of weeks ago, but Pinero missed the game winner at the end of the – Mm, of the football mm -hmm. game so we should still be four and five if the season goes the way that it should have as far as how we played uh and all that kind of stuff and and, and just watching the defense keep us in it and you also don't really seem the same fire from the defense like almost like they're just frustrated that you know they're out there for 70 80 plays a game and and before, like i said before they can even get a sip or even try to game plan or make adjustments they got to go back out there because we're already done yeah 
You know, Nagy uh, after the Saints game where we threw the ball 54 times and ran it seven. Yeah. Seven times in a football game. You know, and of course the press corps was like, dude, what happened? Why did you only run the balls? I mean, seven times. That's the lowest in franchise history. A franchise that is celebrating its 100th season this year. In 100 years, we've never run the ball less than seven times. Uh, you know, less than less than eight times apparently because we ran it seven in that one. And, the, and just to kind of twist the knife in, it was Walter Payton bobblehead day. So, <laughs> oh man, it was it's like, like, dude, running back <laughs> legend day. It's like, like what's running this back? This is blasphemous, you know, to, to that Walter Payton bobblehead day. We don't run the ball. That's ridiculous. And he was like, there. He's like, well, our first runs were for zero, one, and and two yards. So obviously that wasn't working. So I just figured we'll throw the ball because we had some success throwing the football so we just kept doing that to the ratio of 54 to 7 by the time the game was over and here's the real kicker we ran it five times in the first half which means in the second half we ran it twice so and it was i I know you're i know your pain because going back to that tampa bay game jared goff threw the ball 68 times which my god again i didn't know 68 was i mean that's that sounds like a kobe bryant you know shooting night he went 45 of 68 uh, and then we had 11 rushes that game. Uh, one was a Cooper Cup uh, jet sweep that you seem to love so much. So it was I, I feel your pain sometimes when you're looking at, you know, the balance and, and how things go. And then he had, you know, the, the balls to stand up on the podium and say, well, you know, we were forced into that. And it's like, were, you were? were I you? mean, I guess they were down. They were down 21 nothing in, in, I think, the first quarter. Uh, so they had to kind of get the ball moving. But, man, it's just like. The game planning that we've seen with Jared Goff passing and the balance of, of you know Todd Gurley rushing and this quote unquote plan of getting him ready for the second half of the season and making sure that you know he has energy throughout the season and and then you know here we are in desperate need of wins and he doesn't see the ball in the fourth quarter so uh, the plan is still you know I was behind it for a while now I'm scratching my head and going like when do we unleash the beast when do we you know we're paying this guy 45 million dollars guaranteed like if his knees hurt either you know get him out of the game or if he's strapping up get him in the game like you're paying him he seems healthy when he's running i mean he's he's had good runs he's you know he's running through people it's not like he's limping around so um man scratching your head at some of this game planning yeah i mean and and the it's like i can understand you guys got into a big hole uh, with Tampa, but even though it happened early, you still have plenty of time to come back. So maybe you do run the ball a little bit more. But I can, I can sort of on the outside looking in, and I didn't right. watch the game right. or anything like that. That's that sounds that makes more sense to me than what Nagy did in that New Orleans game because at halftime it was twelve to ten. Right. Twelve to ten. Right. You know, we ran the ball five times in a one-score game. You know, and even after the Saints came in and scored a touchdown immediately to make it nineteen to ten. Okay, it's two scores, but it's still it's nine points. That's an easy deficit to come back from. But instead, it's throw, 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 throw. Two runs in the in the second half. The the whole game. It's just like, and before you know it, you know our defense all of a sudden can't tackle. They're getting worn down because now the Saints are running the football and having their way uh, with the defense. And I think I even tweeted out that. You know, the Saints O-line can thank our offense for the way that they're having their way with our defense right now because they simply just right. they don't have anything left. They're just worn down. So, of course, there's wide open holes that's like six yards a carry or something like that. And, um, you know, we, we played against them without Breeze or Kamara, and they still rolled us at home, which is embarrassing. 
So yeah, I, yeah, I definitely was, got that game wrong and, and yeah. uh, lost some money in some parlays. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, <laughs> that was a low point. I mean, the, the being embarrassed I mean, smacked around in our own uh, stadium, like we were embarrassed by the saints in that game. And then we embarrassed ourselves the week after uh, against the, the chargers uh, and everything. It just, it was an ugly spell coming off the bye with those two games there and then nine yards of offense against the eagles the week later in the first half of of that game was like we're not going to get out of this hole man this is just this is just going to keep you know we're just going to keep leaning into this uh apparently and, and Nagy just seems so stubborn as far as sticking with what was working because it wasn't his idea kind of thing it was just really frustrating uh to watch and we finally got a a lame duck opponent last week in the Lions that was shorthanded without Stafford and, and all the rest of that stuff, and we finally made it work and we got a win. But now the opponents get real again. We got you guys this week. and I mean, the Giants record-wise are a slouch, but they're no pushover. They've got talent. Then they can give us a game, and then we got the Lions again, and then we got the, we got the Packers, we got the Chiefs, we got the Vikings again. Mm. So it's just like it's not going to get any easier on the way out. Right, and so right. we got to get after this, and we got to do it now. Yeah, no, that that schedule is brutal, and and uh, I, I feel you on that as well because you know we come out of this game, we've got Baltimore Ravens, oh, uh, we've got Seattle, and we've got the 49ers again. We got to play at Dallas. Uh, so our schedule still, you know, the nice thing is we've got two games versus Arizona, but the one thing that scares me is they're at least scoring points. Yeah. And the Rams right now can't seem to do that. So, uh, you know, our defense is going to have to step it up. But at the same time, our offense is going to have to produce some things because that's the funny thing is we're talking about our two teams struggling here at, you know, four and five and five and four and looking at some way to try to make or find a way into the playoffs. And the, the thing that it starts with is winning ball games. And I think both of us are, are struggling to see with the schedule we have remaining, how do we stack up enough wins uh, to, to make that a, a, you know, a realistic goal? Yeah. I mean, and, and with, with the seven games that we both have left, you know, it's like, yeah, there's some winnable football games in there. I, I could say at least maybe four wins out of the, the last seven, but that still only gets us to eight and eight. You know, it's like that's not going to get us and not in the NFC, not this year, not even close. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it's tough to see because, you know, what you're putting out on the field and what you have. And, you know, to see our teams put on a great performance top to bottom would probably be a surprise to us both at this point. Yeah. And looking at the strength of schedule, I have it pulled up here in front of me uh, as far as remaining opponent records. Uh, the Rams sit at fifth, the fifth toughest schedule remaining. The Bears are at 10. Uh, their opponents come in at 545 as far as a winning percentage. And looking at the top five, uh, it goes Arizona has the toughest, San Francisco the second, Tennessee, Seattle, and the Rams. So four out of the top five toughest schedules remaining come from the NFC West. What a great and fun division to be in this year, unless you're the Rams and you're in third place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a trek that we have for us ahead of us for the next couple of uh, couple of months. But um, you know, looking at this thing, which do you think is more likely? And I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask anyway. Which do you think is more likely that your offense gets it going against us, or that our offense gets it going against you? Oh man, I mean, I, I really just with the weapons, and I think that's where I look at the Bears' right. offense and, and just see kind of a lack of weapons for Trubisky, obviously, uh, you know, some of the big time players that he likes to go to, but, um, the more developed 
offense seems to be the Rams, right? And right. we talked about early in this podcast that Jared Goff has been able to move the football at times in between the 20s. It's when we get to the red zone or near the red zone that this team just kind of uh, sputters and we're, we're settling for field goals. So we need to be able to convert those three into six. But looking at, you know, Cooper Cup, even though he was shut out last week, uh, we expect him to kind of get back onto it. Robert Woods has always been Mr. Solid for this team. Brandon Cooks is out. Uh, you know, we'll be replacing him with targets probably to Gerald Everett, who's really kind of picked it up this season. Uh, but then we've got three running backs, as I mentioned earlier, that can really get it done if they just either pick one and go with them or find a way to get them all involved. But offensively, weapon-wise, I think the Rams have a better-looking roster. But again, on paper versus what happens um, is going to be maybe two different stories. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of been the Achilles heel of both our teams uh, this year. It's like on paper – we should be kicking ass because we have the same teams that were 12 and 4 and 13 and 3 uh last year and and instead you're 5 and 4 we're 4 and 5 and we can't figure out why you know it's just that's what that's the the difference between on paper and reality or as uh uh Chris um uh what's his name Ber- Berman used to say all the time that's why they play the games yeah that's why they play the games you know cuz on paper you could put us to put the two of us in the NFC Championship game, lock it up, it's over with. The Bears and the Rams are the two best teams on paper coming into this year in the NFC. Uh, but instead, uh, it's the 49ers that are 8-1 and one, and the Packers that are 8-2, and two, and those are the top two teams in the NFC right now. And, oh, don't forget about uh, the Saints who managed to go 5-0 and oh without Drew Brees uh, yeah, this that, year. Yeah, that was so, shocking. Yeah, so talk about a team that everyone should be terrified of right now uh, with Brees coming back. And despite them having their little hiccup last week against Atlanta, you know, it's it's going to be a, a bitch trying to get through the NFC uh, uh, this year, and we're on the back end trying just to get into the fight. Just trying to hang out at the party, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, I mean, you know, let's talk about the defense since that seems to be the only thing that we can look forward to uh, on Sunday. I heard you and, and Lauren on Locked On uh, this morning and uh, basically talking about how it like you said earlier low scoring ugly games well that's that's how I would describe the season for the Bears low scoring and ugly the fourth best scoring defense in the NFL but we have a losing record so low scoring is our MO and um, you know it's like what is the defense doing better that it wasn't doing uh, a year ago or what is it doing better that it's been for the last few weeks because it's you know, you had the 55 against Tampa Bay. You gave up 30 to Seattle. But since then, you know, San Francisco only scored 20. The Atlanta, well, Atlanta and Cincinnati. But, I mean, even in a winning effort, Pittsburgh only scored 17 last week. So, obviously, the defense is doing its share. Yeah, and out of those 17, seven of them came from a Jared Goff, quote-unquote, fumble. Right. Uh, which we all feel like from hearing some, you know, ex-officials and people kind of coming out saying, that hand was coming forward. That should have never been called. Uh, we even saw it later. I mean, it even happened in that game. They called it against uh, Rudolph that it was not a fumble. And then later in that Sunday night football game, Kirk Cousins does the exact same thing. It's called no fumble. Uh, not that I'm bitter. Uh, I am a little no. bit. But, uh <laughs> But our defense didn't give up those seven points. So the, really what's different, and, and if you look at it, we go and make these trades, right? Aqib Tlaib gets injured. He goes on IR. We trade him. Marcus Peters, we trade him straight up. Uh, and then we go and get Jalen Ramsey. And we switch. It almost seems like we switched our defense completely because now we bring in Jalen Ramsey. And, 
he's a man, man-to-man type of coverage guy. Just give him one half of the field and say, go stop that guy and everyone else go do something else. And that's kind of what we did. Wade Phillips really just switched it up. We were running a lot of zone early in the season and people were just picking us apart in between. It was just like if we didn't get to the quarterback, which you you got guys like Aaron Donald, but they're getting double teamed and we had some lack of pressure early in the season, but we're starting to really get, you know, Dante Fowler going, getting pressure along with Aaron Donald. Uh, we got Clay Matthews back. Who's been one of our best, um, you know, pressure guys early on this season. Uh, so we're starting to get to the quarterback a little bit more. Corey Littleton in the mi- middle linebacker position has been playing lights out football. I think he's probably one of the most underrated linebackers in this game right now. Uh, I really hope that we can sign him long term. He might get some money elsewhere and, and we don't have a lot of it. But uh, really, I think Wade just switched up the defense, went to a lot to more man to man, a lot more aggressive style. We've seen a lot more blitzing than we've seen in the past, uh, even where it's you know, Corey Littleton hanging out, waiting to see where the running back's at. And when he's, you know, stays in the block, he's, you know, man go and he's running in there to, to make a play. So um, there's just been an attitude change uh, with the defense. And uh, I really think Wade being able to kind of take the talent around him and switch up his style a little bit. And Wade's always been in the last couple of years of him being here with the Rams is he's been a second half uh, type of coach where he goes into halftime, makes adjustments, comes out and the defense plays a lot better. And he's really done that. As far as in in the season, about halfway through the season, he said, I'm going to throw this all away. We're going to kind of start to play a lot more man to man. We're going to mix up coverages. Uh, They've gone where they've had three safeties on the field a lot, where they've kind of moved out a linebacker and played that a lot more. So uh, I think it's a mixture of all of that. And and really just Jalen Ramsey's a stud on that side. He's given up some some yards and some catches, but. Uh, nothing major to this point. One of his biggest catches was when we had the game basically done against uh, Bengals, and he kind of joked after the game and said, "I really didn't think they were going to throw it to me, and I, I kind of got distracted and bored on the field." And he gave up a massive play, which isn't the best thing to hear from your stud corner. But I love it that he came out and basically said, "Like guys, it's not that I'm like I I got beat there. I just I really just didn't think they were going to do it, and we were up, you know, 20 points or whatever." So. Uh, but the defense really stepped it up in the second half, and we need it because our offense is obviously, like we saw against Steelers, really struggled. Yeah, I mean, the thing that has bothered me about the defense this year uh, is not really even so much that we're not generating the turnovers or anything. Obviously, we're doing our part as far as keeping our opponents out of the end zone uh, and everything. I just read a stat before we got started. The Bears and the Rams are two of the best defense as far as um, – allowing 10 plus yard rushes i think the bears are the best the rams are in the top 10 so it's it's not a defense that's getting burned by big plays or anything like that it's just that defenses have or excuse me offenses have kind of figured out how to neutralize or scheme khalil Mack out of the out of the game or to to get the quarterback away from him or, or or that kind of thing what bothers me about the defense is that nobody is stepping up like it, the, you would think this would be a a you know opening the door for for Leonard Floyd to to kind of right. come into his own. If if Khalil Mack is facing double and triple teams on one side, then that means you have to be one on one on your side. So you got to do your job and get after uh, the quarterback. He's got three sacks in the first nine games, and he got two of those week one against the Packers. So one sack in the last eight weeks uh, is not getting the job done. That's not doing your share. And when an interior defensive tackle is leading the team in sacks and you've got Khalil Mack on your team, something's wrong. You know, something is not – someone. There, there are other people not doing their jobs if that's what we're 
we're looking at. And that's also the problem on offense, uh, which is why, you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Rams winning the game because Allen Robinson has been the best player on our offense this year. So if Ramsey is going up against Robinson, two former Jaguars going head to head with one another, uh, if Ramsey takes out Robinson, we we have guys that can step up, but will they is the real question. And right. up to this point, that hasn't happened. So if Robinson has been a non-factor, the offense has struggled mightily as far as you know Mitch getting the ball to somebody else. And I also made a joke last week that that maybe the Bears should have their entire receiving core wear the number twelve because the number 12 is the only one that gets a ball worth catching. Everyone else has got to jump up for it or it's down at their feet or it's sailing over their head. To Robinson, it's almost perfect just about every single time. So it's like maybe everyone should wear 12, and then maybe you know all of a sudden Mitch will figure, uh, figure things out as far as getting uh, th- balls to the receivers. So that, that's the thing but that's I've- kind of plagued the team as a whole is that when, when somebody who's been consistent has been – Xed out of the game, nobody is stepping up to pick up the slack. Yeah, whatever it takes. Everyone wear a 12 jersey. Let's go. Yeah, and and the funny thing was, right after I tweeted that, Mitch throws a touchdown pass to Ben Broniker. And I was like, well, in my defense, Broniker wears 82. So maybe he got <laughs> he conf- maybe Yeah, maybe he got confused. He saw the two and he he threw a dime. It was an absolute beautiful throw. Uh, you know, a great catch from Broniker on top of it. But it's like maybe he got confused. He saw the two. He's like, oh, there he is. And he throws, even though Robinson's <laughs> black and Broniker's white, there's a big difference there, you know, and whatnot. But still, he threw a dime and it was perfect. And it was like, he's wearing two. So maybe that's what, yeah, that's the same. That kind of feeds my theory. You know, maybe everybody should just have a two in the number. And it would just, <laughs> you know, there it goes and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So. so we're we're talking about low scoring, you know, defensive uh, games here. What are you liking for a score? Yeah, I think this thing, it's funny because um, most of my predictions for the Rams have been living in the 30s, right? 34, right, sure. blah, 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 you know, and <laughs> and slowly but surely I'm just, I've had to bring that back down to reality. When we were playing in Pittsburgh, I was thinking in the 20s, uh, that didn't happen for us. And uh, I got to see them prove it, that they can put up some points like that. So I, I really do... I. I think if I go heavy and I stay in the 20s, I think it's like a 20 to 14, 2017. Uh, but I think more where I feel comfortable is like 17, 13. Sure. Um, I just think just the things that you kind of mentioned there with taking out Allen Robinson with, you know, the kind of your go-to guy and who is going to step up outside of that. And is there an opportunity for Mitch to get rid of the ball? Will he be under pressure? Will he make those mistakes yeah. early? Will he be down trying to force it? Those type of things kind of come into play. Um, and yeah, I think it, it is just two good defenses playing two mediocre offenses right now. Uh, so I have it as about a 17, 13 or a 2017, somewhere in that range where it's, uh, you know, either high teens or low twenties, but, uh, I still think it's going to be a close ball game because yeah. again, I don't think these two teams and, and like you just said with the lions, even if they do pull away, um, we haven't seen either one of these teams be able to kind of just step on the throat of a team and, right. and really kind of put a team away. Uh, the Rams did it back to back weeks with the Bengals and uh, in Atlanta. But again, I, I don't think the bears are that type of team, right? I still right. think they're a quality opponent where, you know, we we're talking about last year that these were two great teams and there's still some talent there. So I don't think they're going to be able to kind of blow them out like that. So I, I see a close game, you know, 17, 13 Rams. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's, that sounds about right. 
uh, uh, to me. I was just looking and I saw the over under is forty one and a half, and I was like, that's generous. So that is generous. Uh, yeah, I, and it's like <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, it's just um, you know this this year is not going the way that either of us anticipated. And granted, there's still time uh, to turn it around. But with each passing week, that the the sand is falling out of the hourglass uh, on that one. And this this is a you know the sense of urgency uh, is there, and because uh, everyone else is playing well and we're not uh, at the moment, and we still have these these playoff and postseason. Uh, dreams that are technically still possible at the moment, but there's a lot that's going to have to go both our ways in order to make that happen. And this game is going to be a that f- the first step in that direction. And like you said, we're either playing our way in or playing our way out. And and I I agree that um, that the loser is probably out. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and you start to look at some of these other games that between these you know really tough matchups and just watching that Patriots and Ravens game and I'm scared as hell to see the Ravens come in on Monday night next week because mm-hmm. you know I was watching that game and I'm like the Rams don't stack up against this type of team right now like the way that we're playing it, you know we're going to get murdered and yeah. and that's the way you look at some of those good teams that we're chasing and you're trying to find a way to the playoffs and you remember what one we got to win games and two they got to maybe lose a couple and it just doesn't look like that's the way it is. But that's what's awesome about the NFL. Uh, you always see some team go on a run near the end, and yeah. those end up being uh, some of the hottest teams. I mean, going back to when the Giants won, what, like six or seven in a row, I think they ended up losing to the Patriots like week 17, and that was the year they upset them in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. But it's just being hot at the right time, getting yeah. healthy at the right time. And uh, so it's not done. That's the tough thing is you, you, you're reading stuff on Twitter and, you know, Rams Nation has been extremely negative And, you know, oh I've boy. seen Fire McVeigh and, you know, trade Goff. And oh, yeah. I don't think people understand the money and commitment that are into some of these players right now. But, um, you know, every year brings a new challenge or a new victory. So I uh, just got to take it. Very McVeighism here. Got to take it one game at a time. And that's Sunday night in primetime in front of the world. So uh, hopefully one of us doesn't leave embarrassed. Yeah, I well, I hope that neither of us leaves embarrassed. That one of us yes, just wins and the go. other one loses. I think that would probably be the the best case scenario for this game. But uh, I definitely know how you feel, man. As far as the the whole fire McVeigh trade golf, it's you know people are already talking about who our quarterback is going to be in twenty twenty, and you know everyone's going nuts over this thing. Oh, the Bears should go to that Kaepernick thing on Saturday, and, and you see the workout, and well, for what he hasn't played. Well, in just three years. I, yeah, and then I saw uh, Cam Newton said that he wouldn't mind being traded to the oh, Bears yeah. next yeah. year. So there's that. it's like quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah, there's players even trying to like you know get their way into into the you know onto yeah. the team and start you know the mill of of all the rumors and everything yeah. like that. Talking Quarter- about uh, firing uh, Nagy, it's like dude, he's year two of a five year deal. He's gonna get at least one more season out of this, and just everyone needs to just come back down to reality about what's actually happening here. It's a down season. We still have all these guys. Remember this the same group that took us where we went last year? They're all still here. They're not playing yeah. very well. It's just a down year. Oh, this is what I wanted to ask you. Um, the Bears don't really have an excuse. We're just not playing well, or maybe we've been figured out as far as teams seeing us coming or anything like that. Are you a superstitious guy saying that, well, maybe, just optimistically thinking, it's the Super Bowl loser jinx that we're suffering this year? 
You know, I've never been a the Super Bowl jinx, the Madden jinx. Like, even though some of those things have kind of been maybe proven to be true, and the statistically show that coming out of a Super Bowl, you know, it creates a, a shorter off season. You got to go, and obviously, there's all the celebrating and you know, getting hyped up for getting there, and you know, then the the big pit in your stomach for losing it, and not winning it, and things like that. And really, you know, I, I don't see that with the case here. I, I really see it as you know, the Rams decided to go a different way with their offensive line, put money elsewhere and thought that these young guys could step in with Joe Noteboom and Allen, both those guys now out for the year. Um, and I just think they, they pushed in chips in different areas and it's not playing out. Jared Goff isn't playing up to the $110 million contract, but uh, that's largely due to he's got 1.8 seconds to throw the ball and he can't right. get the ball downfield. He was last year, I think he led the league or was top three in the league as far as downfield uh, completions over 30, 30 yards. So um, he's just not getting to do that this year. So I think there's just the offense is different. The whole thing with Todd Gurley and, you know, last year he was racking up you know, touches. And I think he's almost 80 or 90 touches behind where he was last year at the bye, at wow. least. So, um, the impact of what he's been on the offense, that's not so much because of the Super Bowl run. It's because, uh, they've got a, a plan for him of taking care of him for the long term of his contract. But, uh, you know, if you're out there in a helmet, man, I, I love you, Todd Gurley, but you know, I'm sure he wants the ball more, but just got to give him the rock. So I don't know if it's Super Bowl stuff, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, statistically, they're going to fall into that category if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I was. Uh, I think I was wrapping up the show, uh, my review show for the Lions game, and I was like, you know, at at the very least, the the Rams have an excuse. They have something they can lean on. I was like, well, you know, because it it's all kind of inexplicable the way that it's gone sideways. I mean, granted, there is an explanation for everything that's happened or is happening right now but at the same time for it to go as bad as quickly as it has that's the part that's kind of inexplicable and the thing you can't quite wrap your head around or why is it that every decision we make tends to be the wrong one and it goes against us somehow and we're we're losing to teams that we were easily beating a year ago and things like that you guys have that that superstitious ingrained excuse that you can just blow this all off all right, we're a year removed from that. Now let's go out there, and in 2020, we're going to be a success. The Bears don't have that. There is no wild card loser curse or anything like that. And the only thing that we have to lean on is maybe the sophomore jinx because it's year two for Nagy or you know whatever. But uh, yeah, it, that's what I was saying. Is like the the Rams at the very least have an excuse for what's going on for those who are the superstitiously inclined to to lean on that as as being the simple explanation for why it's all gone bad for the Rams. But the Bears don't have that, unfortunately. Well, I appreciate you giving us an excuse. And uh, <laughs> at some point, at some point, I may use it. Uh, but for now, I'm looking at this team going, just win some damn games. You got yeah. playoffs are still in sight. Right. You still got some talent. Um, our just biggest thing is, you know, I wish we had some injuries spread out, which obviously we, we have John Johnson missing in the secondary and we traded to leave after his injury. But, you know, I wish they were just spread out a little bit more instead of just like everyone on the offensive line. Cause now it's just like, you keep trying to have these big plans of moving forward. But I think that's just going to be the big, you know, stub of the toe is, is that offensive line. But if they can somehow, 
you know, I told my brother the other day, I was like, I need Sandra Bullock to be writing a script somewhere about the Rams offensive line, bringing it together. And it's going to go <laughs> to the box office and it's going to, you know, break records of all this crazy stuff they do in these last few games. But I just don't see it coming. But that's what we might need is, is that type of turnaround on the offensive line. Yeah, it's definitely going to be worthy of a Hollywood script if if one of our teams or both of them can go on some kind of run here and then make it into the uh, make it in the postseason. Because the thing that is frustrating, and I'm sure you feel the same way about the way our teams is playing, is that we know how good they can be. Because it's not like we 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 look drastically different than we did a year ago. The the makeup of our rosters for the most part is the same as it was. A year ago, I mean, that was one of the things that we talked about was so great about the teams that we have is that we're in tweak mode. We're not overhauling yeah. and, and, you know, having to load up on these picks and that and, you know, bring this guy and throw millions at this person. We're more worried about how we're going to keep the guys that we have as opposed to trying to add to the to the team. And that was one of the great things that we were talking about over the summer. And yet none of that has seemed to kind of come to fruition um this year so it would we we do know that the potential for the teams to go on a run is there it's just a matter of them putting it all together and making it happen yeah i totally agree with that and uh you know we've got what seven games left mm-hmm. uh, at least if anything uh some encouragement from inside that building to kind of build off of moving forward next year maybe like you said you still got the same pieces, you, you know, you got some late draft picks, but adding a couple things, maybe a free agent piece here or there uh, and trying to pick these pieces up and get right back into the mix. It's a fun thing about the NFL, man. Look, you were talking about, you know, the Ravens and the Niners and the Buffalo Bills uh, dominating and being in playoff position last year. That was not the case. You kind of think, OK, well, if we move forward another year. There's another fresh opportunity to get in there. It's not the NBA where for eight years you just kind of circle, yeah. you know, these two teams to meet every time, even though the Patriots kind of are doing that a little bit. But everyone else around them, it gives opportunity to kind of grow from year to year. So if it's not this year, keep some of these core pieces. Don't worry about getting a new coach or anything like that because, like you said, still early in the development there. Give them a chance to come back and, and put some wins together. And, and hopefully we're talking about two dominant teams in the NFC West. I'm looking at big picture here. I still think we've got – some good teams in the NFC uh, as a whole. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's end on that note. Uh, Brad, thanks so much uh, for coming back on. Where can we uh, where can we keep up with you, social media, otherwise? Yeah, definitely. I'm mostly on Twitter, so LA underscore Rambling Bear is my personal. You can find the show Locked On Rams at Locked On Rams on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook group, all that stuff. So uh, come say hello. I love talking sports uh, all occasions and uh, hopefully, like I said, this Sunday we'll have some active conversations going and, and hopefully some active offenses going and it will give us something to talk about. It would be fun if we could, you know, just to have a, you know, it's national TV to see the, the Rams and the Bears go nuts like the Rams and the Chiefs did last year. Let's break oh, the scoreboard yeah. on both sides and be like, where the hell did this 51 to 48 yeah. game come from? You know, I sure hope so. Yeah, That'd be so cool. it's, yeah, that would be awesome just to have a shootout and be like, it's it's Trubisky and Goff going nuts in this game. I don't know what's <laughs> what's going on here. You know, so much for the Bears being a top five scoring defense. That's in the toilet now. So, yeah, I I would like to see an exciting just back and forth. Like, you know, let's top that Seattle San Francisco Monday Nighter, which was awesome and see if we can't, you know, put together a classic performance of our own. And at the very least, no matter what happens this year, be like, man, game of the year, Bears and Rams on Sunday night. That was something to see. So let's uh, let's hope that something like that happens. 
Yeah, I'm down for it, man. I appreciate you having me on. And anytime uh, these two teams go against each other or offseason, man, give me a ring. Always love talking football with you. Well, we're third place teams together right now, so maybe we'll have the whole same place thing happening again next year. So uh, we still we, we have that to look forward to, Brad. <laughs> Brad Motter from Locked On Rams. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Remember, guys, one promo code will get you hooked up with both of our sponsors. That promo code is ARMCHAIR, and that will get you uh, your first shipment free. Uh, just pay $5 shipping for Blue Chew, and that will get you 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Remember, the promo code is ARMCHAIR there, guys. want to thank Brad Motter for joining us to uh, preview this ball game between our beloved squads. And... Um, you know, I always love doing the interviews, talking with the guys from the other teams um, or representing fans of the other teams and, and uh, uh, whatnot. Looking forward to the one for the Giants next week. Then we get Jeremy Reisman back again for Thanksgiving. It's going to be bang, bang uh, pretty quick here. We got three games in 11 days, starting with this Sunday's matchup with the uh, Rams. And I kind of jotted down a couple of things you know, keys to the games, uh, keys to the game, if you will. And I only wrote down two because you heard Brad and I talking about it. And the other one uh, kind of just came up with over the last day or so since I talked to him. But you, when Brad and I were talking, it was we minimize mistakes. When you are not playing well, we're, we're back to this. Remember, like when we in order to win football games under John Fox, when we didn't have that good of a roster, you had to be damn near perfect to win a football game. And we're we're not playing well right now. We have a talented roster. It's just like Olin Cruz said uh, last week. Nobody's playing well. That's why the Bears are struggling. You just you look at the tape, and you're not not seeing the same uh, effort, the same execution, uh, whatever the case is, whatever the cloud hanging over this team is. Nobody's really playing uh, very well right now. When you're playing like that, you have to be damn near perfect to win a football game. You know, or at the very least, you have to be better than your opponent. And in this case, it means making fewer mistakes. Now, I know that's a, a, a creed you can apply to just about any game. But in this game in particular, I feel like we're in pretty solid ground with that being one of the keys. You know, and I'm talking about things that have plagued both of both of the teams this year. Turnovers. Well, actually, the Bears are pretty good at hanging on to the football but we're not so good. The one thing that has plagued the Bears over and over again has been mental mistakes as far as execution, whether it's blocking or running routes or Mitch making his reads, and penalties. Those have been the killers for the Bears. For the Rams, Jared Goff has been turning over the football, You know whatever their issues are with their passing game and their execution, not sticking to the run. Those are the mistakes they've been making. And it's been the defenses on both teams that have kind of been carrying the squads to the point that they're at right now. Basically, if if not for the defense, the season for both teams would already be over. And then actually, like you like you heard Brad and I say, this is not so much a play in game as it is a play out game. The loser is probably done uh, here. The loser's probably done. Um, so it, it's uh, it's a very, very important game. Um, a little bit more important than, than it probably would be if we were like seven and two, eight and one squads coming in 
to this game because a loss, like, yeah, it sucks. You lost the head-to-head. You're probably not going to get home field advantage. You finished with the same record. But you're still – like, if, if, in, if the Bears had lost last year's game to the Rams, yeah, that would have sucked. But we had a secure lead in the division. It just would have meant that we're probably – we're not going to be one of those bi-week teams we got to play in the wild card round, which ended up happening anyway because we couldn't catch up to uh, the Rams and the Saints even though we beat the Rams. But, um, you know, this year, the loser's probably done. So, I mean, that makes the stakes in this game higher than the one that we were looking at uh, last season. Last year was for, you know, trying to see which team would be the home field team and for bragging rights mostly about who's the best team in the NFC. That is not the case this time around. The other big key to the game is for the defense, and it's for us to be aggressive. We got to sell out to get Jared Goff this week. If you look at the tape from just I mean just from last week in Pittsburgh, the Steelers were getting after Goff. And this was the, the thing that the Bears exposed last year. It was the it was the the key that helped basically any team that ended up beating the Rams. I mean, just look at the Super Bowl for Christ's sake. The Bears beat the Rams 15 to 6 last year. The Ra- the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl 13 to 3, basically following the Bears blueprint from week 14 on Sunday Night Football. Hell, you even could hear um, McVay talking about it in the sideline footage in the NFL Films Super Bowl uh, footage. That was the Bears' defense, wasn't it? That looks just like the Bears. And that's what that's what Belichick used to shut down slash slow down uh, the Rams in that football game, and it was a dominant defensive performance. They only allowed three points uh, by the Rams in that one. And, you know, I, I, th- that narrative has not changed. It's, it's still... The, the MO that will, that will get you success on Jared Goff. If you get to him, it's the path to fortune. Yeah, he will make mistakes. He will force throws. He will make turnovers. And, you know, the more turnovers we get, the more opportunities our offense gets, the more opportunities our offense have to get it right and put points on the board and things like that. You keep hearing everyone talking about how this is going to be a low-scoring affair, a defensive struggle, and it's – if the Bears can get to golf and force turnovers, that will be changed immediately, you know, or maybe it won't. I mean, we got five turnovers out of them last year for uh, four interceptions and a safety uh, last season. We still only ended up with 15 points, so it will definitely be the key to victory for sure, if not the key to getting the offense up and running and scoring more points. So, uh, you know, on the offensive side, uh, we got to protect uh, Rashad Coward who's going to be going up against a, a large dose of uh, Aaron Donald. So, uh, you know, Cody Whitehair and um, Bobby Massey going to have their work cut out for him, uh, making sure they get a chip or a hand or an elbow on uh, on Aaron Donald so he doesn't ravage that, uh, that young guard's uh, uh, life on Sunday and then make things even worse for uh, Trubisky and company on the offensive side of the ball. But those are the two big ones. we got to minimize the – the mistakes, which means we have to execute uh, the offense a lot better. Have to stop with the the penalties, whether it's a false start or lining up wrong or you know two guys shifting at the same time. All that nonsense. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. And uh, at the very least, it has to be minimized to the point where it doesn't kill us as badly as it's killing our opponents. So those are my big ideas. For the Bears to be victorious on Sunday. I'm not going to sit here and talk about power eye formation and all the rest of that stuff because that's falling on deaf ears. Nagy's just flat out not doing it. So Nagy's going to do what he's going to do in the best way that he sees fit to get the offense 
going, which means we have to rely on the defense, and hopefully Pagano uh, watches that that Pittsburgh tape closely and realizes that they were effective on the Rams because they got after Goff and forced turnovers and fumbles and interceptions and, and all that kind of stuff, and that's exactly what we did a year ago, and that's why we were successful in shutting down an offense that was averaging around 30 points a game before they came and saw us. Those six points that we held them down to was the lowest point total of the season until they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So nobody shut them down better than we did until the Rams or still the Patriots did it uh, in in the biggest game of them all. So it was thanks to us that Belichick had the blueprint to shut the Rams down and uh, you know win one of the more boring Super Bowls I've ever watched. But uh, you know it got the job done. They walked out with the Lombardi. So. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, the evidence shows that that narrative hasn't changed. That's still how you can be effective. That's how you can shut down golf. You want to put the ball in his hands. So just follow the blueprint from last year. Make sure that we, you know, when the Rams run, if the Rams run, we're keeping them uh, bottled up. And then we put the ball in golf's hands and wait for him to make mistakes if we pressure him. Because if we do, he will give us those mistakes uh, and he will make life easy on our defense and keep putting the ball in our offense's hands. So that would be fantastic if we could uh, redeem ourselves on national television and uh, get a win over the Rams and go to 500 and get ready for two extremely winnable games against the Giants and the uh, Lions before we head into the month of December. So. That's going to do it for the Week 11 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Guys, come back on Tuesday, and weather permitting, since that's what kept me from putting it out on Tuesday uh, Tuesday last week, or this week, I should say. But, uh, you know, we'll get it done. We'll get the show up. Hopefully it will be our first back-to-back victory since since, uh, that three-game win streak we had there from week two to four, and uh, we get the ball rolling heading into that Giants game next Sunday. So... That's going to do it. Come back on Tuesday, guys. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.